Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. All right. Um, I'm sure many of you have been following what's been happening in the, in the world with um, Ukraine and Russia and the, and the war going on there. And um, I this week I, I read a, a, a tweet by a um, Christian, I, I think it might have been a pastor, where he said they were, obviously his, his children had also heard about this, they had spoken about it and they, with, with their children, they were praying about the whole war in Ukraine and so on. And, um, you know, as they were praying for it, his six-year-old daughter started praying, God, let your light shine on the Russians. And he was thinking to himself, wow, you know, that's kind of profound for a six-year-old, you know, and really sweet of her. And then she went on so that they may be struck blind like Saul on the road to Damascus (laughs) so that the Ukrainians can escape. (laughs) Children can sometimes (laughs) say the, the most interesting things. Um, but um, this, this whole war in Ukraine is, and, and the whole situation, the conflict there is, has been also a reminder just of how important leadership is. We're busy with a, with a series and we're speaking about you know, exploring why and today we're going to look at an aspect of our, of our vision. You know, why do we do leadership development? Our vision is to reach nations and generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. And we're going to just ask the question, why? Why leadership development? Now, I'm not going to give an exhaustive list of answers to that, but I'm just going to give a few reasons. And, and I think one of the reasons is very obviously put on display in this whole situation, uh, this whole conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you look at the two leaders involved there, Vladimir Putin and Volodymyr Zelensky, the, the, um, the prime minister or whatever of Ukraine. You know, it's, it, it's such a contrast between these two leaders. I, I remember once we were sitting in, in, um, in Bible school and uh, Andres Brunk was sitting there at the back, was, was doing a, a session on leadership. And he said something very interesting with which I I fully agreed when he said it. He said, leadership is the problem, but leadership is also the solution. If you you look at almost all the problems in the world, you can trace them back to bad leadership. And if you look at all the solutions in the world, you can probably trace them back to good leadership. And the, the cure for bad leadership is not no leadership, but good leadership. And that's why leadership development is important. You know, um, this whole conflict in Russia, um, uh, between Russia and the Ukraine, it actually started long ago. I mean, the Ukraine used to be under Russian rule in, as part of the Soviet Union for, for, for many, many years. And then they became independent when the Soviet bloc sort of broke up. But then in 2014, and, and already then it became obvious that that Vladimir Putin had ambitions to restore 
the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, and, and restore it as an empire and become a world force again because they invaded Crimea, which was sort of um, a peninsula on the south end of, of Ukraine, and, and annexed it, sort of took it over. Um, and, I mean, there, there are a lot of complications because in Ukraine, you know, all the people of, from Ukraine are from Slavic descent, but you have the Ukrainian-speaking people and the Russian-speaking people. So, so there's, there's a lot of complexity there. Um, in, in, in the situation. And um, it seems that, that Vladimir Putin has sort of ambitions to, to restore, you know, the, the Russian empire again and, and make Russia great again. Uh, and he is, let's be, let's be frank, he's a dictator, you know, so he pretty much does what he wants to. And you can see it in the way that he even interacts with his own people, with his own um, you know, the Communist Party, the leaders of, of Russia, he sits on one end of this big room behind a big table, and they sit way on the other side, you know, and he sort of speaks to them, you know, at a, at a distance, you know. And you, know, you sort of get the, the feeling when, when, when you see the interaction between them that, that no one's allowed to question him. But the problem is that leaders that are never questioned end up doing questionable things. And he seems to have convinced himself that when he invades Ukraine, and, and for, for weeks and months he was saying, no, 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 we're not going to invade Ukraine. You know, there's, there's, there's no such thing. You know, they don't have to worry. Everything's fine. We're just doing military exercises on the border of Ukraine. You know, we're not going to invade Ukraine. But everyone knew he probably was, you know. And, and, and you know, he'd he, seen what, has ha- what, what happened when, when they invaded Crimea. Not much happened. Um, he, he was watching the rest of the world leaders and they appeared to him to be pretty weak. And, and he probably thought, okay, this is my chance. No one's going to do anything, you know. Um, and and he, he seems to have convinced himself that when he goes into, into Ukraine, the Ukrainian people are going to receive him with open arms, you know, as a liberator. It's ironic. He says, you know, they want to uh, set the Ukrainian people free and denazify Ukraine. Even though Vladimir Zelensky is, is, is a Jewish Ukrainian, <laughs> they want to denazify. So he's, he's appealing, you know, to, to the Second World War and what happened with, with the Nazis, with, with Germany invading, um, you know, not only Ukraine, but, but Russia in, in general. And, you know, it's, you, you sort of, even, even on the streets of Russia, you see people protesting especially younger people. The older people, they sort of look at the, the national government-controlled TV station. They see the, the, the Russian propaganda, and they, they say, no, no, we think, you know, Vladimir Putin is doing the right thing, you know. He's, he's protecting us from the West and from NATO, and it's a you know, preemptive strike. And they, they don't believe, you know, when... I saw some interviews. They don't believe when, when people interview them and, and show them videos of, of, of the Russian army... Um, bombing civilian targets and stuff. They just, they don't believe it, you know. They, they believe the propaganda. The younger people, of course, are watching the internet and, and seeing the videos, you know, people in Ukraine recording, you know, with their phones, you know, how, you know, um, civilian targets are being hit, houses, blocks of flat, flats, all that kind of stuff. So they, they're very upset about that, and many of them are protesting. And last I heard, more than 7,500 Russians had been arrested and, and thrown into prison for protesting. And you, you have this, this situation where 
a lot of things. I mean, there are massive sanctions being rolled out against Russia now. Um, you know, they, all the Russian banks are being frozen. Russian assets are being seized. Um, NATO doesn't want to get involved in the actual war, but they, you know, they're pushing sanctions. Um, Ukraine is the second largest grain producer in the world. So we're probably going to see food prices go up. I mean, lots of food stuff, barley, grain, all kinds of stuff. A lot of it, it comes from, from Ukraine. So we're going to probably see all across the world food prices going up. Russia is one of the greatest producers of oil. And, and there's a lot of gas that comes out of Ukraine and, and oil and gas pipelines that go through there. So the oil price is probably going to shoot up. So the petrol price is going to go up. So why I'm saying this is even though we're far away, we're going to start feeling the effect of this war in Russia and Ukraine. And I mention all of that because I want you to see what a big influence leadership has and the decisions that leaders make. Now, um, in, in Proverbs 29, verse 2, it says, When the righteous increase, the people rejoice, but when the wicked rule, the people groan. And, you know, I, I don't want to be unkind to Vladimir Putin, but he doesn't seem to me to be a righteous man. You know, he's never really been seem to be someone who, who, who does what is right. And, and um, if you look at, at him and, and a bunch of, of Russian oligarchs around him, they are super, super rich. I mean, like billionaires. They, they, they mentioned this one guy, this one, one Russian oligarch who has a, um, a yacht that is worth 400 450 million pounds. It's like a super yacht. Now, all of these Russian oligarchs, are these massive yachts, you know. Um, so, so these guys are super rich. They're making the country is rich in resources, Russia. Lots of oil, lots of natural gas, all that kind of stuff being exported. But the people benefiting from it is just this big group of elites at the top, you know. Um, guys who are in the Communist Party and who are well connected within the, the Communist Party. And, and the people on the ground in Russia... I'm not seeing much of the benefit of that. And, and that is not the idea of leadership that the Bible holds in front of us. I mean, if you, if you look at, at Jesus, he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and you know, if you think about all the bad leaders in the world, they are like Lord Farquaad. You remember Lord Farquaad in, in, in Shrek? Watch Shrek. It's a profound story. <laughs> you know, you learn so much about leadership there. <laughs> Shrek walks into this, this stadium where Lord Farquaad is this, this little guy who, who he, he wants to be a king. So he needs a princess. He needs to marry a princess to be a, to be a king. And he's saying, saying to, to all the possible knights, you know, who can go and, and, and save a, get a princess for him. Some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. <laughs> and all the, I mean, that's, that's <clears throat> the caricature of all the bad leaders ever in the world. Some of you may die, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Some of you may suffer, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. You exist to serve me, and you must be willing to suffer for me. And Jesus comes and he turns all of that 
on its head. And he says, I did not come, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And that is the biblical view of leadership. And, you know, I was wondering if you can just bring up the, the next slide. Um, if you can just bring up that slide again with the, with the scripture. Uh, the next slide. Uh, um, so so, so what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is leaders have a disproportionate effect on society. You know, Vladimir Putin as a leader, and, and this is true for good leaders and bad leaders. They have a disproportionate effect on society. He's having an effect even in South Africa, which is like halfway around the world. You know, The quality of a leader determines the quality of life of those who follow him to a very large extent, especially if it's, if it's a president of a country like, or a point leader or so. Um, and, and therefore, leadership is important. So if we ask why leadership development, then one of the reasons is because leadership is important. It has a massive influence. And you've got to ask yourself the question, if you can just put up the next slide, how did Vladimir Putin become the leader that he is today? What kind of childhood did he experience? You know, I, I know he was a, a young man who, who grew up quite poor in Russia. Uh, and I know he was into judo, for instance, and, and eventually became a black belt in, he got a black belt in judo. So he was a very disciplined man, and a man who, who, who was into combat and fighting and, you know, forcing others into submission. You know, he was very good at it. He was really very good at it. And I know when he was um, a young man sort of going up uh, in, in, in the government, he was part of the KGB, high up in the KGB. And, and, and obviously he learned a lot about uh, espionage and, 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 you know, undermining, um, you know, enemies and stuff uh, in there. And then he became president, and he's been uh, president for, for a long time. Most would probably say for too long. <laughs> and, you know, everyone who opposes him gets silenced. And, and, and if, if you... Um, if, if you if eventually, if, if you keep on, you know, silencing people who criticize you and who speak the truth to you, eventually you'll, you'll, be caught, you'll find yourself in an echo chamber where there are just a bunch of yes men around you tell you what you want to hear. And, and then you make questionable decisions because you don't allow anyone to question you. And, and probably that's what happened to Vladimir Putin, he, his, his development as a leader turned him into the leader he is today. And, 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 and the leader that he is made him make the decisions to go into war and um, to sacrifice other people's lives for what he wants. Now, if you contrast that to, to Vladimir Zelensky, he... I always wonder, how did, how did he develop into a leader? And people were sort of, in, in the past couple of years, while he's been president of, of um, Ukraine, they've been sort of laughing at him because he was a, um, an actor. He, he's sort of from a, a, a Russian Jewish family. Um, he was a comedian. Uh, he, he won the, 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 the Ukrainian version of, you know, Let's Go Dancing or some other thing like that. Um, <laughs> He, uh, he played, he, he was the voice of, of Paddington Bear in the Ukrainian Paddington Bear movie. And um, he, he and his, his, his 
friends, they had a company, and from 2015 to 2019, he played the role on, on a TV um, program of the president of Ukraine. He played a school teacher who um, was so fed up with all the corruption in the Ukrainian government that he ran for president and surprisingly became president. And weeks, literally a couple of weeks after the last um, episode aired on Ukrainian TV in 2019, he became the president of Ukraine. So he first played the president of Ukraine on TV and then he became the president of Ukraine. And everyone's sort of laughing at him and, and thinking, you know, he's a bit of a joke as a, as a president. But it's been amazing how he has stood up as a leader. Um, and when the Russian forces started invading Ukraine, he stayed and he stood up and he said, we're going to fight for our right to exist. We're going to fight for our freedom. We're going to stand against, even though the Russian army has overwhelming force. I mean, they're much bigger, they're much you know, better trained, they have much better equipment. I mean, the, the Russian army, the, I think the Russian army has more foot soldiers than any army in the world. They're the biggest you know, uh, foot soldier army in the world. And he said, we're going to stay. So, you know, the EU and, and uh, you know, the American president, uh, President Biden, was saying to him, listen, yeah, we can give you, we can evacuate you from Ukraine, you know. And he said, I need ammunition, not a ride. And he stayed. And every now and again, he was, you know, he was moving around to secret bunkers all across, you know, Kiev. And he was sort of, you know, on, on social media, I was putting out um, videos saying, Listen, I'm here. I'm not leaving you. I'm staying in Ukraine. We're going to fight a good fight. The whole of, of the Ukrainian parliament stayed there. They even met a couple of days ago during, you know, while the city was being bombed. Um, and he, he's led by example. And everyone has been so pleasantly surprised as the, at this guy and how well he has led and how well he has galvanized the people of Ukraine to stand against this invasion. And you, you wonder, you know, what, what kind of, what, what made him the leader that he is? You know, I just want us to see that not only in the church, but in the world as a whole, leadership has a big influence. Leaders have a disproportionate influence on society. And therefore, it's important that we develop leaders, that we raise, that we get developed as leaders. Um, I mean, we've, we've seen the same thing in, in South Africa, haven't we? Um, you know, if you, if you just think about the, the, the history of the ANC, it's, it's been, on the one hand, you can say it's been heroic, but on the other hand, it's also been tragic. Because un, in, during the struggle, um, the ANC played a very strong leadership role, and often a very heroic leadership role. If you think about, you know, Walter Sisulu, Albert Latuli, Nelson Mandela, those kind of guys, selflessly led the struggle um, and, you know, I think Nelson Mandela did very well, you know, as, as a president to, to transition South Africa to, to the new South Africa and, and to not, you know, be inflammatory and seek vengeance and all that kind of stuff. That was, that was really impressive leadership. Um, but then towards the end of um, Madiba's term, the ANC made a decision at one of their conferences to do what they called cater deployment. And what they wanted was all of South African of leadership. They wanted to saturate the leadership of South Africa, political, economic, all that kind of stuff, with 
ANC cadres. In other words, members of the ANC who are loyal to the ANC so that the ANC can control the whole of South Africa. And Thabo Mbeki uh, started implementing that and then obviously ex-president Zuma came along and started really implementing it. <laughs> and we've all seen the effect of that. Of course, what you had was political appointees, people who were not always competent for the position, people who um, had political clout, and people who just wanted to make a quick buck, um, coming and being put into leadership, not only at the highest level in parliament, but in local government level, in, in, in um, municipalities, you know, all over the place, being pushed in there. And, and just the level of service delivery has just dropped completely. The, the, the amount of service delivery protest has just shot up in South Africa. Um, the economy has suffered through it. All kinds of bad effects have happened. Why? Because the wrong leaders were put into all kinds of positions. And, and that just shows you that it's not just top leaders that make a difference, but leaders in all levels of society are crucial and determined to a large extent whether a society suffers or flourishes. And, and what we need is better leaders. Yes, we've, we've got, the ANC has got us into a very bad situation at the moment where, we have, where they've deployed a lot of bad leaders in key positions. But what we need is new leadership. And, and that's what we need to trust God for in this country. Um, and that's another reason why leadership development is so important, you know. Um, we need to trust God that in the ANC, good leaders will stand up. And we, we must trust God that, that in all levels of society, good leaders will stand up and make a, make a difference. So the first reason why leadership development is just leadership, has, leaders have a big influence, and therefore we must develop leaders. The second reason is, um, you know, all of us can be better leaders. I, I was raised in Bloemfontein, some of you might know where that is, you know. It's, it's sort of the place that you, that you sort of drive past, you know, on your way to the Cape. Um, it is actually a city, <laughs> in case you were wondering. And um, I, I, I was there in, from, from Sabay to Matric. I was a, I was a, you know, I'm, I'm not a natural leader at all. I'm, I'm a very sort of introverted guy. I'm shy. I was, very, I was terrified to, to be in front of people, you know. You know, I was afraid to speak in front of people. I never wanted to take the lead, you know. That was, that was never even, you know, something that I desired that, that was sort of uh, in the ballpark for me. Um, you know, I think all of my brothers are, are better leaders than me in some ways, but I was the first one to come to Christ. And it just seemed that somehow... In, in many different places, I'd sort of just be pushed into leadership, you know, pushed to, to take the lead, even though I was a reluctant leader. You know, I, I don't think our family was very big on, on leadership growing up. You know, it wasn't, leadership wasn't like a big issue or, you know, we weren't really encouraged to, to lead, you know. And I know in some families it, it is like that. You are sort of encouraged and, and developed as leaders. I, I, that just wasn't on the radar for us. And I was very uncomfortable, but, you know, I started playing guitar, and I had to lead worship, you know, and um, 
I had to um, take the lead in some sports teams and that kind of thing. And, and it happened even more, you know, as I went to university. You know, I started becoming a small group facilitator and leading and a, and a, and a zone coach. And I started, you know, they started asking me to, to not only play in the band but lead worship uh, teams and, and um, you know, teach Bible school and all that kind of stuff. And I was sort of very reluctant, you know, sort of being pushed into these leadership positions. Um, but what I realized is that leadership is unavoidable. I realized on the one hand, I was ill-prepared for leadership because of just my background and not, in fact, not wanting to be a leader, not realizing I need to be developed as a leader. So I was reluctant and I was ill-prepared for, for leadership, but I also realized that I couldn't avoid leadership. You see, all of us lead. You don't need a position to lead. You don't need to be a point leader to lead. Okay? I often ask people, you know, do you think, who do you think of yourself as a leader? You know, I've asked, you know, before the sermon, you know, I've asked you that, that probably maybe half of you would have put up your hands. And, and then to the other half, I say, so don't you see yourself as a leader? And then some will say, no, not really. But if you think about it, I know of at least one person that follows you wherever you lead. And of course, that person is you. <laughs> but at the very least, you lead yourself. At the very least. Um, and, and all of us lead. And especially if you're a Christian, God will eventually, part of your calling, as part of your calling, he'll push you into certain leadership positions. You'll become a parent, or you'll become a manager. Or you'll become a worship leader or something like that. And we need to grow as leaders so that when we're in those positions, we can lead. And even before we get into those positions, we can lead. Um, one of the things that um, I, I saw this video, um, I'm not going to show it to you now, but I saw this video on the internet once, uh, which was a, a well-known video of a, of a sort of a, it's just a badly shot, you know, video with a somewhere on the smartphone or something of, of a bunch of young people on a, on a grass bank, a massive grass bank at a fair or something, and there's music playing in the background, probably a band or something. And then this one guy, you know, with, with just shorts on, goes and he starts dancing, you know, like, or this funny dance, you know, and he's dancing and dancing and dancing. And eventually, and, and then there's this, this voice narrating, show, saying, because they, they say, this shows you how to start a movement, you know. So this guy's dancing and going on. And eventually, another guy comes out and he starts dancing, but not well. <laughs> he's just dancing with the other guy. But the other guy comes to him and he takes his hand and he sort of high-fives him and he's dancing with him. And, and, and he says, the, the guy narrating this says, notice when the first guy joins this crazy dancing guy, he's no longer a crazy dancing guy. He's now a leader because he has a follower. And, and, and this guy says that we underestimate the power of first followers as leaders. Being a first follower is a form of leadership. You can lead by how you follow. How well you follow. Okay? So... Even if you're not in a leadership position, 
or in a team, in, in a leadership position in a team. You can lead by how you follow in that team. You can lead by how you follow your boss. You can lead by how you follow your small group facilitator. You can lead by how you follow Jesus. All of us can lead by following well. Because all leaders are followers in the first place. And, and all of us can, can lead better. In, a Prover- in Psalm 80, uh, 78, verse 72 to 72, I'm reading from the anyway, it says, He, God, chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. Notice that God always does that. He always takes someone who is his servant. You need to be a servant before you can be a leader in the kingdom. And the better you serve, the better you can lead. Because the form of leadership in the, in the Bible is, at the very least, servant leadership. Uh, so he, he took David, his servant, from, took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep, and brought him to be the shepherd of his people Jacob. He, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. And God will often cause you to lead in sort of a low-risk, low-key environment in order to prepare you for a more high-risk, more high-impact environment. So, so first he shepherded, David had shepherded the sheep, and because he was faithful to shepherd the sheep, that taught him how to shepherd Israel. And notice what it says here. It says David shepherded them. And, and the shepherd needs to care about the sheep. So one of the things that, 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 that you need as a leader is caring. Love. I mean, love is not just a great commandment. It's, it's the best attribute of good leaders. Because love is what causes you to not want something from the people that you lead, but to want something for the people that you lead. Love is the difference between a Vladimir Putin and a Volodymyr Zelensky. Okay? So caring about the people. He shepherded them. He cared about them with integrity of heart. You need character. You need a moral compass. You need the integrity to do the right thing. You know? A lot of the bad leaders that even that I mentioned just this morning, they either don't have a moral campus or they don't have the integrity. They're corrupt and they don't have the integrity to do the right thing when temptation comes. Okay? So David led them with integrity of art. He had character. And then the third thing he says, with skillful hands he led them. Competence. Caring character and competence. The ability, the skillful hands to lead. The communication skills or... Um, the, the, the skills to, to cast vision or the skills to, you know, whatever. We're already doing all of these things. But we can all do them better. And if you doubt whether you're doing them, all of us have a vision of what could be and the conviction that it should be. And we're constantly leading ourselves and other people towards that towards what we think could be and should be. And we can all do it better. So why leadership development? Because we can all be better leaders. And then finally, you know, we as Christians have the massive advantage that we're following the ultimate leader. 
No leader this side of eternity is perfect. No boss, no president, no pastor. No leader is perfect. The good leaders can cause us to want the ultimate good leader, who is Jesus. The bad leaders can even more say, well, we don't want a leader like that. We, we, want, we want the ultimate leader. We want, um, and, and the ultimate leader is Jesus. Only when Jesus comes will we have perfect leadership. And to me, probably the, the most powerful um, scripture on leadership in the Bible is 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1. In the NIV, it says, follow my example. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In the ESV, it reads, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And uh, the word imitator is um, the Greek word um, mamaitai. It means to, to, um, to imitate or to follow the example of. Um, you can probably hear mamaitai, you can probably hear it sounds like mimic. Right? And that's what it, what it means. It means to, to mimic someone, to, to follow the example, what they do and how they do it, and why they do it. To, to thoroughly fo- follow the example. And Paul says here, follow my example, imitate me, mimic me, as I follow the example of Christ, as I imitate him, as I mimic him. In other words, Christian leaders are always first and foremost followers. And Christian leaders aren't trying to get other people to follow them as much as they are trying to get other people to follow Jesus. And if you are a Christian and you are following Jesus, you are following the ultimate leader. You are following the best leader, hands down, without any argument in the history of the world. I mean, even secular people look at Jesus and say, you know, if you just look at the facts... This guy is the greatest leader who ever lived. He, he must be. He has had a, a, a greater positive impact on society than any other leader. He has had more followers than any other leader in the history of the world. He is the greatest leader who ever lives. And if you are following him, then by the mere fact that you are following him, you can be a good leader and others can follow you. If you're following Jesus, you are going in the right direction. And it's safe for other people to follow you. So if you're following Jesus, you are already a leader. You know, um, in in the coming weeks, we'll talk about disciple-making and and church planting. Our vision is to reach nations and generations through disciple-making, leadership development, and church planting. And leadership development is also important within the church because it's leaders that make disciples. And it's leaders that plant churches. But if you think about the command to make disciples, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey or observe all that I've commanded you. That I've commanded you. And part of what he's commanded us, that we must teach them to obey, is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, <laughs> baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. In other words, in a very real sense, Jesus calls us not just to make disciples, but to make disciple makers who are leaders. 
So in a very real sense, you cannot be a Christian without being a leader. When you start following the ultimate leader, you become a leader yourself. But you can always become a better leader as you continue to follow him. And that's why leadership development is, is important. And let's, let's stand. You know, as human beings, we can, we're coming to the world with nothing. Um, no possessions, no knowledge, no understanding, no skills. We have some instincts that kick in, you know, praise God, you know. Um, some reflexes that kick in. But, but we come in pretty much with nothing. So in a sense, all that we have, we received. I mean, Paul even asked the question, what do you have that you didn't receive? And our ability to love to some extent, depends on our ability, uh, on, on how well we've been loved. Our ability to treat others with integrity depends on how we've been treated like that. Our ability in leading well, having the competence to lead well, determ- is determined by our, how, how we've been led by others, what, what's been modeled to us. You, you see, the thing is, you can only give what you've received. But we're in a fortunate position where we can receive from the greatest leader of all time. Who said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. We are being led by someone who loves us so much that he gives his life for us. We are being led by someone who has so much integrity that he's willing to give up, to, to, to have his father who loves him and whom he loves more than we can ever imagine turn, turn his back on him and, and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus has so much integrity that he's willing to, at the, not just at, the, uh, you know, at, uh, at the, the threat of his life, but at the cost of his life, fulfill the promises of the father. We need to submit to and experience his leadership so that we can give and reflect and imitate that kind of leadership. If you want to lead like Jesus, you must really allow Jesus to lead you. If you want to love like Jesus, you really need to allow Jesus to love you. If you you want to have integrity like Jesus, you need to experience Jesus' integrity. Are we doing that? I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to just in your own words just say, Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the greatest leader ever. Lead me, please, Lord, and help me to follow you and become like you. Help me to imitate you. Help me to be inspired by you. Just just in your own words. Just bring yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, lead me, disciple me. Make me like you.
You know, there's always a price to getting something done. And either the leader will expect the followers to pay the price or he'll take the lead in paying the price. And um, we can do that. We can be willing to pay the price and make the sacrifices necessary because we follow a leader who has done that. So let's go out there and be willing to pay the price to be leaders, to make the sacrifices to be leaders. Because the world and the church need us to be leaders. There are people out there who need you to lead them to Christ. There are colleagues out there who need you to lead them in being productive in whatever service or product you are delivering to society. Because, I mean, I'm thinking you probably won't do the work you're doing unless you felt that whatever you're doing is somehow making society better. It's a form of loving society, serving society. Go and make the sacrifice, the effort, the hard work, because you know that you're serving people, you're loving people. The world needs us to stand up as leaders. And invest in yourself as a leader. You know, I once heard a stat where, where, where a guy uh, was saying that the average, I think it was an American stat, so I'm not sure whether it applies exactly the same way in South Africa, but, but saying that the average American spends, say, you know, a couple of thousand of rands or dollars on, on their heads, on the outside of their heads per year, and, and spend only, you know, a few tens or hundreds of dollars on the insides of their heads per year. Invest in your ability to be a leader because it actually is important. It makes a difference in the church and outside of the church. Father, I just consecrate your people to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they are of the line of Abraham, that they are of the line of Moses, that they are of the line of David and Esther and Ruth, that they are of the line of Christ, that they are of the line of Paul the Apostle and Peter, that they are of the line of Stephen the Martyr, that they are of the line of so many great leaders, St. Augustine, Martin Luther, so many great leaders that have made a critical difference in society. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that you'll open up our eyes to see opportunities to lead and give us the boldness in our hearts to grab those opportunities to lead so that we can make a positive difference in people's lives, whether it's at school, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's in society at large. And I just bless your saints as they lead. I pray that they'll, Lord, just have the joy of seeing you change people's lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.